Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Anatomy of a Movie. Today, we're dissecting The Space Between Us, the new Asa Butterfield film. Uh, we have lots to say. Hopefully, some of it better than the movie. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We have Dimitri Panos. Hello, movie fans. How are you? We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. And I'm Phil Svitek. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there's not a lot of space between us. That's a good thing. <laughs> no, especially but, us two. Especially us two. Uh, I showered today. You know, Don't usually worry. I wait for <laughs> I <swear>. <laughs> opening thoughts to really give my thoughts on a movie. Um, and I get, well, you, see, I'm just diving right in. Before we get started, uh, know that... Uh, the na- if you're just joining us for the very first time, we're very spoiler-filled. We assume that you've seen the movie, or at the very least, don't care to have it spoiled. Um, and so, let me... I'll start, if I may. Uh, I want Wait. as much space between me and this movie <laughs> as possible, <laughs> unfortunately. I was... This movie was heavily promoted, and it was promoted as a young adult relationship movie... And in the final product, they just didn't know what their their uh, what their strengths were, which was the relationship between the girl and the guy. And we spent all of forty minutes in a two-hour movie, realistically diving in with them. And might as well end the podcast there. <laughs> Marissa Serafini, your um, thoughts? Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, I saw a lot of the trailers for this, and I, you know, I generally do like romance films, and you know, some teenage adult adult. Um, teenage, you know, movies are sometimes actually good. And I was hoping that this one could have been better than it ended up being. There were some moments it's like, yeah, you have to suspend your disbelief to try to colonize Mars, which right now is not possible. I mean, feasibly, in the future it will be, but not now. Um, so there, there were just a lot of things, and near the end it kind of felt like, okay, we got to wrap this up, we got to wrap this up, you know, X, Y, and Z, and it to the point where, like, now you just lost me. And visually, some things were cool, but the, I think the story fell flat, and it really didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I, you know, for me, it start okay, so the movie ends... And I'm processing everything, and it it, it it began as, at the stage of, it was a big screen full of meh. And then I got in my car, and I started driving home, and I'm still processing, letting the movie think, sink in. And I started thinking about it, and from, from the movie theater to the drive home, it then became the second movie of 2017 oh, no. to make me angry. And folks, we're only in February, so I'm not liking this. Um, for me, it was just... Young adult sci-fi schlock that reached for the stars, but only pulls back one of those freeze-dried astronaut ice cream bars. Come on, you've had to have had one of these as a kid at some point, <laughs> where this thing, you take a bite out of it, and it just globs all over your tongue, and you're like, what the? And it leaves a bad taste in your mouth? That was this movie. you know. And, it, and, and for me, it was too bad, because I really liked the young talent involved. Um, uh, between Asa, or is it Asa Butterfield or Asa Butterfield? I call him Asa. Okay, Asa so Butterfield. Asa Butterfield. Not that that's correct and, and necessarily, but. Asa, Asa. Um, Britt Robertson, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, to me, uh, a few years back, she was in one of the more underappreciated science fiction films called Tomorrowland. Mm. She was a great, strong female character in that movie. 
she's a, she's a good strong female character in this movie, and I'll tell you, the both of them do their damn best uh, to deliver some of the hokiest lines I think you're going to hear this year, and 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 at times I actually they really sold it, and I even bought it from them. Like I thought, I had no, I can't point to performance and say performance sunk this movie, but it's so mired in like young adult sap mm-hmm. that like you know. The cinemuck on the floor that the, my feet stuck to, it wasn't just gummy bears. It was just, yuck. And, you know, the twist. There's a twist in this movie. Oh, the twist. Where <laughs> I'll give them credit. I will give the writers and the director credit for the misdirection. Because I even was like, oh, I, I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. I thought the misdirection was good. But once that plot point is revealed and you start to unravel it, you just I, it just made me go, I want to send these writers on a one-way trip to a black hole. Like, how dare... Like, seriously, no one on the flight team that was going to Mars knew that their... Com- like, knew their commander's family history and that she might have had a brother? Unless she, he's, the brother is, like, the best-kept secret... On the planet Earth, she's a flight commander to one of the most publicized journeys going on. Add to that, Gardner, he's a computer whiz, right? Like he couldn't, he couldn't like Google his mom's family history to figure out that that wasn't a husband, that was the brother. I'm like, that bothered me to like no end, and. You know, like you said at the top, there just wasn't enough space between me and this movie at the end. No. Um, th- you said something that was, it looked fantastic. I thought yeah. some of the cinematography um, looked great. I will give them credit for that. Story. I thought, here's here's the, the story. I, I think the over, like, as you said, the performance was good. I think, uh, I think the music's great. I think the cinematography's great. Mm. I think the editing, um, I can't fault the, the editing. You know, it just to me, it just comes down to story, and and I want to make one thing kind of clear. It's not because we don't like young. I actually love young adult, believe it or not, in that sense, uh, whether it's books or or movies. But this is not an example of something that's good. In fact, you know, just like you have in any genre, bad examples, uh, and unfortunately, it sucks with this because people already have. I feel the general audience has a conception of what young adult is, and that it is sort of cheesy and hokey, and this doesn't help it. No, and well, it didn't have to be. Yeah, but, and also one of the main tropes of young adults is that they're together and they end, and they don't, and they're not together and they end in this film. And I think it, it left the opportunity that maybe she would go to Mars because she's going through the training, the training. and all that. But I, I mean, picked up it on doesn't. This, yeah, it doesn't have too. a satisfactory ending that most young adult films do, and I think that's what was also just frustrating watching this film because I felt a lot of storylines just like finished and that was it. There was no. Re, um, resolution to a lot of things. Yeah, you know, and and from a science fiction standpoint, as opposed to sci-fi, and and uh, I always do a dichotomy. To me, there's a schism between science fiction and sci-fi, and I get this from one of the the godfathers of science fiction, Harlan Ellison. Science fiction, good science fiction, is always, always, always about the human condition, and this could have had that. This could have used tropes because Gardner. Uh, obviously, is 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 looking through and looking at humanity through not only a young adult's eyes, but from a person who's never been on Earth 
before and has been raised by scientists and astronauts and robots and technology. So everything was there. This, in a way, is like a young adult version of Starman. John Garbiner Starman, if you think about it. It just, when you look at Starman, however, that movie really is about an alien taking a human form and truly learning what it is to be human. This movie just mucked it up. Um, and you had all the elements there to make a good young adult story. You had the performances and even the adults. You know, I'll even give Gary Oldman and um, uh, 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 Carla. Yeah, Carla. Uh, she, I thought that they were really good. Unfortunately, they were mired in this movie that had a story and dialogue that just didn't, it didn't add up no. for me. And it's too bad because this could have been a really strong science fiction movie that dealt with the real feelings of young adults and what it's like. Let me ask, did anybody ever question how the hell did these two hook up? What was it on like MarsMatch.com? Like, how did they end up talking to one well, another? Through, through the research <laughs> of this film, I found out that like because he is such a brain whiz and he just found a way to legally tap into the internet and connect with her. And that's it. Fair enough. <laughs> Which is her? Suspend yeah. your disbelief. It's, it's the equivalent of Tinder. She was the only one that swiped. His, <laughs> yes. uh, or his, oh, maybe he was okay. the only one that he was interested in. But he couldn't figure out that his mother had a brother but well before that yeah, journey. But apparently he needed more human connections, so he tried finding people closer to his age, and he found Tulsa. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's funny, too, because uh, there was another movie that it sort of... And, and I was wondering, and I couldn't find it in any of my research, but I was wondering if uh, Gardner, you know... Uh, Asa Butterfield character. I was wondering if that was a throwback to another, to a much better movie that wasn't a science fiction movie uh, uh, called Being There uh, with, with, with Peter Sellers, who I believe posthumously won the Academy Award for Best Actor. Uh, Best Actor. His character in that story was called Chauncey Gardner, who yeah. happened to be a gardener, and he turned the world of politics around just through his who is a very simple man, but we saw life through this simple man. And I was wondering if maybe there was like this connection between Gardner and Gardner and like why they call this character Gardner, because he is supposed to be a simple man that we see through humanity, through the eyes of a simple man. I hate to be this way, you know. I think it's coincidence. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're giving them way too much credit. I mean, I, I think they're most of their things lie on the surface like um you know the 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 german movie Mm -hmm. left by the scientist the fact that like you know an angel falls to to heaven Mm -hmm. it's like okay i I get the symbolism you know Mm -hmm. so i i hate to be that way but it's just so on the nose of what they're trying to achieve that i don't think there is that that's what this movie lacks is depth yes you're right you're right and and you know and, and it's funny because we were doing the research the premise of this started off because of uh, 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 love prevails is supposed to be this theme, and where this condition is the basis of space for this movie, uh, which began with a simple provocative premise: How far will we travel for a real human connection? I like the premise. I like the premise, and even when you look at movies like Interstellar, mm-hmm. it is about human connection. It's about making human decisions. This movie had that, and it, it, it sort of kind of just 
I, I don't know. I wished it had that depth um, because I, I believe in their hearts. That's what they were striving for. They didn't, and, and you can tell because they weren't phoning in their performances, and they no. made this look, movie look good. But I just think that they were a little askew. You know, and I find that interesting. You say that because, like, how far we travel for human connection. I think that was the end result that added to the synopsis of this film, <laughs> where the original conception of this film was because uh, this isn't technically an original story, um, but that Richard Lewis. Uh, he's the one who wrote this, that he questioned uh, what would happen if there was a baby born on Mars. He posed that to NASA. So that was his first thought, and then then they added the, you know, try to add the layers to the human connection and the need to be with other people of your type, you know. Yeah, and it's funny that, just to expand on that too, that in his conversation with NASA, who was all over this movie as well, and, um, but, but, NASA was like, oh my god, it's like we're thinking about, like, that's going to happen someday. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen, potentially even in our time, and we don't know what the hell to do. <laughs> like, if, uh, when that happened, because of all that is actually brought up in this movie. And again, it's brought up, but it's, it's such a skeleton, there's really no depth to. Well, that was the problem. Yeah. I, I think, you know. I think they should just um, they 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 tried to put too many elements into it um, where it lost the the meat of it, right? So okay, what, the whole idea is: what if someone was born on Mars, and then and in essence, that could be the answer of like, well, they would go to any length to have an actual human connection. Um, so in, in terms of that, you could have had like, okay, um, we've already gone to Mars. Now it's the next people. Like there was so much pressure put on that mission as you said that i don't think it needed to be that way and it could then we didn't we spent so much of the time just for the first 30 minutes focusing on that and it was like just even by the trailers like and when are we gonna get to the kid right i don't need to see this i don't care for this you know and it's and it's funny too because something else that i found in my research that sort of raised like this little red flag to me was so they had this completed treatment for this, the ba- you know, it was the basis of the thing. And then Lewis um, went to a screenwriter by the name of Alan Loeb. Uh, and he sat down with it. And, you know, this is a guy that did the switch in 21. And when he read the treatment, his, his whole thing is like, he felt it was very emotional. But here's where I think the misstep is. He's quoted as saying, it's science fiction, but it's human. As I said at the top of the show, science fiction should always be human. Regardless of whether you're dealing with aliens or whatever, it should always be human. It shouldn't be science fiction but human. You know, that to me is, that's telling. That's telling of a screenwriter who doesn't quite understand the genre and the world of what is and can be fantastic science fiction. I mean, just have him see Arrival. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was another film that explained human connection better and the need for it (laughs) and how relevant it is that connects everybody. This one kind of barely grazed the surface. Right. 
Yeah. Um, before we move on, uh, might as well. This is a good time as any to sort of talk about. You know, we're we're sort of uh, surveying our opinion of of this movie. Um, well, you at home get to participate in a survey. Um, that benefits us, right? We have minimal ads on this show, and we give the show to you free. And we have surpassed our 300-episode mark, so um, that's quite a milestone. And in order to help us continue to do it in this way, um, you know, we, we like to have responses from you guys. So let us know what you, we're doing right and so forth. And to do that, uh, there's a short survey. Um, it's completely anonymous. takes no more than five minutes. You can either go to podcastone.com slash my summary or just go to podcast one and click on the survey banner, fill it out, um, let them know that um, you know we're one of the shows that you listen to and love, and uh, it'll help. It just supports us, right? It's it's um, one of the things you guys can do for us because um, we, we like to help. By you helping us, we can help you in return. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, so anyway, back to the movie. Well, well, I do. Again, I want to talk about because there was so much time and effort put into this movie. Um, we're in 2017 now, right? So it was it was it was 2014 where the writers met um, uh, the director uh, Chelsum. Uh, what's his first Peter. name? Peter. Peter yeah. Chelsum. Uh, they met him in, in in England, and you know he. He really the, the it, this kind of type of movie. If you look at his history, like movies like Serendipity, you know, Collateral Beauty, yeah, yeah. These are sort of kind I of in his, right. He, this is sort of kind of in his wheelhouse. When you mm-hmm. think about it, he can make schmaltz palatable. Like he can, you know, it's a spoonful of sugar. <laughs> he can make it work. Um, so you know, and he wasn't much into science fiction, but he really, really loved the simple concept of it uh and i really you know again this was in 2014 you know this movie is now coming it's in 2017 so it goes we always talk about this collaborative process this one took a long time it gestated for a while before uh you know we got it uh here just but a week ago so yeah and i think you know to add to that they also pushed back premiere dates a a, a ton but i think you know Again, I think um, you know. I'm I'm just surprised because there's so many good elements, but I think they just they added one too many to try mm-hmm. to fit in. And you know, when you, when you really talk about it, the the best movies are the simplest of premises, mm-hmm. and they stick to that, and they stick to it so well. Yeah, and science fiction doesn't necessarily have to be quote unquote simple. It can be very layered, but its premise. Everybody should understand. And then you dissect it after. Mm-hmm. Movies like Inception uh, or movies like Interstellar or even 2001, you know, mm-hmm. or, or The Arrival, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, The Arrival is a movie that you can watch it. You can go, OK, this is a really good movie. And then like an onion, you start peeling the layers and you go, wow, look at the, thematically this happened. You know, philosophically, this is what this is about. And depth. then you can peel depth. Mm-hmm. It's depth. Depth. That's well, what the, science fiction. But can the do. layers are about one sort of controlling True. idea, right? <clears throat> it, they take that idea and they layer that idea. This Absolutely. we have again. We have uh, relationship. We have space and distance. We have going to Mars. We have um, I don't know secrecy. Mm-hmm. We have all these things, and therefore we can't create any layers, right? Right? Because mm-hmm. right. we have too many yeah. things. Too I many mean, I, I think the interesting is like, they try to use the sci-fi element as a, I don't know a time device, more mm-hmm. so because of the scientific element to it. 
they literally put a timeline on him. It's like he has to go back to Mars. So there's that clock that's rushing. A ticking clock. We right. have that that ticking clock to, to for the movie to like even just progress forward. Right. Hopefully, but I think also that goes with the pacing of it. It didn't really add up to all the science fiction that was going. True. On. No, I agree with you 100. Um, percent So you know, but we, we talked also too about and I don't know, like. We, we talked about the cast, and we talked about performance, and I think the cast was important. I didn't know, where did you want to go? Because Let's talk cast, because yeah. uh, I, I <laughs> they're yeah. good. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And, and I want to start and, yeah, going are. positive. And, 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 and I know that from the start, they had Asa Butterfield in mind for this role. Um, you know, the producers had already, like, they were a big fan of Hugo, which... I am too. Hugo is a fantastic film, and he was amazing. Uh, he was also paired up against uh, Chloe Grace Moritz, another fabulous yeah. young talent. But Hugo, if you are a film buff like we are, Hugo is a great wonderful film. movie in which he was great. And I know he went on to do some other movies. Most recently, like he was in another science fiction movie, Ender's Game. Believe it or not, and you may be shocked to hear this, I actually felt his performance here. Like when he was being awkward and whatnot, I, I liked him better performance-wise than in Ender's Game. Yeah, Ender's Game ends up being—I wasn't a big fan of that, but I still think it's a better movie. But his performance here, I thought, was layered, and he was funny when he was being awkward. Yeah, uh, he, he had a right good. physicality. I Correct. mean, he, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much uh, you know if he lost weight or or whatever, but he just fit that lankiness. Um, that the character requires because of the bones. And... Yeah, do you know he's like six one? Yeah, he's tall. He's wicked tall. He's, <laughs> like yeah, he's tall and skinny, and I yeah. think that was just like coincidental and probably fortunate because maybe that was the look they were going for. But that's just him in general. Yeah, for all of his roles. And I was wondering if maybe they were digitally enhancing him to make him look a bit skinnier. skinnier. Um, you know, because of where he was born and the bones will do certain things. Uh, but in any case, I, he, I thought no. he was uh, he because was... he was also sorry not to cut. Yeah, you no, off, no, no, he was no. also in Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar sure. Children not that long ago, just a couple right. months ago, and he still looked the exact same. So yeah, and, and he so towered over Brit. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, you know, she, um, who again I loved as well, but he did fit the role, and whenever he was. Like, he had that wonderkin kind of geekiness look on his face, and he was awkward. Mm-hmm. I bought him. And that's why I bought some of the dopey lines that he even said. Like, you know, she you know, I, I came dead. to Earth, but, but Earth didn't want me. Yeah. You know, so he was really good. And, you know, he found, you know, he always, he's on the lookout for originality and characters that challenge him and give him an opportunity to do something different. Uh, and so Gardner is so inexperienced in the real world, just as we're talking about. And this is a quote from him. You know, I thought it would be an interesting role to try and convey that kind of feeling, which I think he did. He had a modicum of success. And, you know, he said he was intrigued with Gardner from the first time he read the script. So, um, and Gardner's sense of belonging. And again, everything that we're talking about are perfect science fiction tropes that just didn't come to fruition. But he was really... I enjoyed his performance, yeah. I, right? Did you did you enjoy his? Oh his, yeah. yeah, I mean, he definitely had that awkwardness that you can totally believe of someone who didn't have a lot of human contact with. 
Um, I believe that, but he was charming and it never seemed threatening hmm. whatsoever. And I totally believed him in the teenage role of first approaching, like, you, the first woman that you ever really had a crush on. And you're like, what do I say? Like, uh, everything that he did, I believed for his yeah. character. I loved, uh, you know, if I'm going to point at things that I thought are positive about the movie, I love that to learn about how to treat and react around a beautiful woman. He mm-hmm. went to the movies. Like, yeah. He saw videos. He went to the movies. At, look, that's sort of kind of the way, you know, yes, you have good parenting or whatnot, but that's sort of kind of the way that I took it. Because of a romantic, you look at these chivalry movies, that's where, fr- from books and movies, is where I learned about chivalry, and I always thought that it was cool, and that was his thing. Open up the door. Chivalry isn't dead yet, at least mm-hmm. not in Nantucket. <laughs> so I, I I could connect with that. Because mm-hmm. um, for me, chivalry isn't dead. I, you know, I like to, yeah, I like to believe that I'm a caring chivalrous guy, and it's not dead, at least in Nantucket. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but- I like that aspect, that plot point. Yeah, to me, um, I, I enjoyed him and I enjoyed Brit a lot. But I think um, Carla, in her own quiet way, um, is sort of not an unsung hero, but like she she does a fantastic job. Um, and you know, partly because up until that up until that point, there's nothing for me. There wasn't anything for me to connect to in the beginning. And then when she kind of comes in and and her and Gardner start to have that relationship. Then I started feeling connection to the movie, um, and I thought she did a wonderful job at portraying that throughout. I yeah, agree. I really liked her, and I think she's a great actress in other roles as well. Um, I liked that she was pretty much the surrogate mother towards him, and I kind of wanted to see more of that. We got a little moments, but when they literally split up and he ran away and went off on his own, I was like, "No, where is she?" Like right. I think she's the only person who can actually ground him and get him back to reality, be like, and be the only person that he can listen to throughout right. all of this. Yeah. And it was just kind of unfortunate uh, that they weren't together as much as I'd like for them to be. But every time she was there, I you know I really enjoyed her performance. She, she brought that nurturing aspect to this film. Exactly, and and that's what I appreciated about her, her performance. And to your point too, that was the connection. Too, that 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 tried so hard to, to ground this movie when you talk about human connection and that was the cleanest one and it also because you know they threw in a little bit of backstory about her character and about how she had was in a relationship and it ended terribly and she didn't know if she would wanted kids and I like the fact that by more or less raising Gardner her motherly instincts came out and said, you know, I could be good at this and I could still be smart, do my job. Um, And so she had, like, you know, just add water and you've got Gardner and here we go. And on Mars, she kept that. I I liked, I enjoyed their relationship. And to me, it never got schmaltzy. That that was the weirdest thing where there was schmaltz all around that I didn't, I didn't feel it with her and her performance. At all, no. you know. So, um, and we talked about Brit again, a- another fine young actress. That here's the thing: I just hope that this movie, sometimes movies, can, especially when you're this young, 
Uh, well, and when I say this young, I mean they're they're in their late teens, right, going into their mm-hmm. early twenties. And sometimes a movie like this can ding their longevity, like because they'll look at it as oh they were in that dog or whatever. I just it shouldn't be like if you're gonna watch this movie, you may not appreciate the movie, but she's really good, and she says that a lot of her character. It was based on her. She's very sarcastic, she says, in real life. And she's just, like, straight up. And I get that. And I like that. And that's the way she was in Tomorrowland. You know, we are looking to mine a lot of female actors. You know, we got to look young. And she's definitely, I believe, you know, a person who can come up and be a good talent throughout as she ages. I think she can get better. I think she's really, really solid. No, and then Gary Oldman. What do we say about Gary Oldman? Guy's been doing it for years. Yeah, I mean, I you know what? If I had to criticize him, I, he's the only one that I just by the nature of his character because he had to pull off that I don't know whatever the, that con that yeah that he was just a little bit f- farther out there than I needed him to be. Okay, you know because normally you know I, I think he's just so because of how I've grown to know him. It's it's a little out of his wheelhouse in terms of what he did. Well, let me ask you this: Do do you think usually in bad movies, like it's it's usually a cash grab, mm-hmm. right? And he was in a couple where he just phones it in. The one thing I can't say is that I don't think he phoned in this performance. I don't think he phoned it in, but uh, again, I, you know, I don't know if he was directed that. It's it just uh, his his character, and maybe partly because it's. The, the hokiest reveal ever mm-hmm. <laughs> that I just I don't like the character of Nathaniel yeah, yeah no I completely agree I think Gary Oldman is a fantastic actor obviously um, his character was meant to be dislikable and but like I actually wasn't sure about his character because I don't know if they pegged him up to be okay he's our protagonist man for for say you know that's pretty much started all of this um, should we like him? And then he's doing all these shady things, like let's hide the pregnancy, all this stuff. And then he comes back and yells at Carla, Carla's character. Mm-hmm. No. Um, it's like, how dare you? This is your fault. I was like, oh, no, too, this is your fault. Um, and so, so there were just so many things about his character that I just didn't like, and it was frustrating just as a character to watch. And then at the end with the whole reveal, we're like, are we still supposed to like him at the end? Are mm-hmm. we supposed to feel more? Because he is technically his father, and he's like, oh, great, his dad's back in his his life. But uh, there was just moments of his character. I was like, I'm not sure if we're supposed to like him or supposed to hate him. Yeah, I, you know, it's, 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 again, if there were a little more depth to this, because, you know, obviously they were going for, like, he was modeled after people like Steve Jobs, uh, Elon Musk, uh, and Richard Branson, okay? All innovators... Uh, all working for space travel, mm-hmm. too, to go to Mars, to, to make these rocket ship kind of things, you know? So I respect that. Um, I was taking in and buying his enthusiasm at the beginning of the movie. Like, I liked that. I mean, he was a bit eccentric and odd. Uh, you know, the whole cover-up, at least for me anyways, they sort of, they made it, palatable as to why you would want to cover it up. Maybe not ding the reputation of the commander or something or there was some impropriety. I mean, they were making it sound like she was a slut 
and that I mean, and that she had an impropriety, and like the, mm-hmm. it was like that it was a bad thing that she was pregnant. That was sort of kind of bothering me. And then in the end, it has that layer of say, oh, that's why he wanted this hidden. He didn't want if it came out, it, you know, it was gonna come out. And since they knew where they were going, like Gary Oldman also knew that he had a that she had a brother. Right? Yeah. I mean, again, it just adds to that. I didn't have a problem. I didn't have a problem necessarily with his performance. I, you know, nobody, whether they were an adult or whether they were young, phoned in a performance yeah. in this movie. So you can tell that they believed in it. Um, I'll tell you, the other, the, the pleasant surprise to me was uh, B.D. Wong. He was good. You know, and he usually plays a bad guy, like the most recent, you know, Jurassic World, and he was in Gotham and this. It was sort of kind of nice to see him be, in, in a sense, a voice of reason. Mm-hmm. Sort of kind of a good guy. <laughs> you know, I, I, I enjoyed seeing him, and this is a different role for him. Is it? You know what? Like, in a, in a weird sense, I wish I wish the truth about that had come out earlier, and, like, you could have had an easy, simple line, like, ever hear of condoms, dude? Sure. Like, just... Yeah. You know, it, or if it I, broke, who knows? <laughs> yeah. It's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard no. of. Well, the thing is, like, what, what was frustrating about the whole reveal was that not once did the audience could actually believe <laughs> that the mother and him were ever a couple. And I actually did the math on both of their ages in real life. That is a 28-year difference yeah. from Listen, we, him we've seen and worse. the girl. Yeah. And yeah. No, but the, it's just like, no way could those two be together for us to believe that they no, I don't up, have a problem with that. And they yeah. ended up being a couple. Yeah, no, they're I adults. I, I mean, it's not like he's in, I did not not believe like she was in high school. <laughs> those two together but ever. I hear what you're saying. No. But I, I didn't, it wasn't, when you look at the beginning of the movie and you see, like, the way that they're, like, connecting with one another, the ending sort of makes a little more sense because he's like, you did a really good job and he's, I don't know. It's a, it was a silly plot device that, again, in science fiction, you have to, you have to give credit to your audience to say, it's okay if a woman is pregnant in space. It's okay. Like, what's the big deal? Yeah, don't make her like, out to be a slut. Yeah, don't make her out to be... Like something bad happened, that because of her impropriety. What impropriety? She had sex before a mission. Like you know, whatever. Who cares? Who cares? In fact, it lends to the it, it lends to the human condition of science fiction, and then the complications arise of giving birth. You make you could make that a whole story. Is it right or wrong? Do we need to have them come back? Will they be able to get back in time? Are we going to? Uh, you know, I know that they scratch the surface, but think thematically, like mm-hmm. about is it right, is it wrong? Like you could have gone a whole like you could have added depth, but they they sort of kind of made her I'm, look I'm like gl- a floozy. <laughs> For the purpose of this movie, I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I mean, I do want to talk about um, if there's one, you, you know, we can't. It, you know how like some, sometimes in sports you give a rating. <laughs> Two sports players, mm-hmm. and then sometimes if someone didn't play enough minutes, you give them an NNA. Mm-hmm. Not applicable. The brother, I give an NA. Oh, yeah. Because Please. he plays it as like, who are you? Like as if he is the father. Like how dare you accuse me? And then he reveals that he's the brother. Yeah. 
And then he's never to be seen or heard from again. No. As this kid goes off and c- kind of commits suicide. Tries to. Yeah, he Virginia Wolfs himself. Yeah. He does. Um, and so... I don't know what to do with him. Did he give a good prof- like? Did he have more things that just ended up on the cutting room floor? I have no idea. It was it, it was such a uh, it was literally a red herring that had been left out in the sun and you throw it away. <laughs> I mean, because of the stench. He, you're right, not applicable. And and again, they sold they sold the misdirection so well that when we came to it, you're like, oh, okay. Wow, all right. So, oh, of course Gary Oldman's the dad. And you're like, oh, all right, they sold me. They, they got me. They, mm-hmm. they tricked me. Oh, boy. But this is dumb. And he, you're right. He's in the movie for a whole of three minutes. Which can be impactful. Sure. Mm-hmm. But not in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> so. Or, like, it would have been nice if his character <clears throat> had, like, a nicer ending with with. Uh, Gardner, be, uh, like maybe he became a guardian or took uh, he became like, an, like an uncle. Him, you know? <laughs> yeah, or you know, had some family relation towards him at the end that again added to the human connection. No, his character just ended. He's sort of done. addicted. One Get scene, out. yeah. One scene, <laughs> call the police. Done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So unsatisfactory. Unsatisfactory. Yeah. Uh, not applicable. Um, but you know, again, I will give credit. You know, you know, to find credit, uh, they took time. Uh, they actually debated about the science of the movie. How much of it? How much of it do we really want to make true? Do we need to have so much science into the movie? Are people going to pay attention? Yes, people will pay attention if you make it good. Look at The Martian. Mm. <laughs> yeah. They made the science real. Um, and and in this movie too, NASA came on board. And uh, listen, I think it's good for NASA to get that out there. We had one of the greatest movies about NASA within this past year, Hidden Figures, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, NASA, to me, needs as much good press to keep this program alive. And in current situations, I don't know what... I don't know what the path is going to be, but NASA needs, for me, good press... Keep that hope alive. Keep the because to me it's all about adventure and exploration. And this movie, they at least did their due diligence to to, to make science real when they needed it to be. And um, they even had uh, um, this gentleman um, Scott Howard, the the Mars Czar. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, Scott Hubbard from the Department of Aeronautics and Astronautics at Stanford. He ain't no dummy, <laughs> so. <laughs> When you incorporate him, uh, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, to me, I just find it funny. It's like that there was actually debate is, do we want to have a lot of science and whatever? And I get you're a young adult, but, again, never misunder... Don't underestimate your audience. Young adults can be really smart. Like, yeah. they can get it. And they'll like it. And who knows? Maybe you'll inspire them. So, you know, do the right thing. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about Scott Hubbard, because, you know, of his ties to NASA, that he helped arrange, you know, exterior shots for the Kennedy Space Center for the film. Sure. And then so he he got them access to certain places that other people wouldn't. And then also for the adding to the signs that um, the whole magnetic implant that Gardner had. Yes. 
Um, the the bitch monitors the growth of his organs and nanotubes, which strengthen his bone density. Is actually plausible, quote unquote, plausible extrapolations. Mm-hmm. So it's actually very close to reality. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is the guy that that developed the the, the Mars Pathfinder mission. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, he ain't no dummy. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's some a, accuracy, you know. You know. NASA accuracy in this. Absolutely. One. You know, one other thing, you know, when we talk about they talked about the quantum entanglement about the compli- uh, the complication to which Hubbard helped find a solution was the real time communication between Gardner and Tulsa. Okay, I get it. Like in any science, you know, Star Trek at times has tried to cope with this, but like you're always seeing in a sense real time conversation between you know, the crew of the Enterprise, which is, in, you know, the Zeta Quadrant and, and Starfleet. <clears throat> Sometimes they say because of the distance, it's going to take 20 minutes. But in most time, it's real time. And we know that that can't happen. I don't have a problem. I didn't have a problem that the, their conversations were happening as they would on FaceTime or Skype. No. <laughs> I was okay with that because that's a plot device that we got to wait 10 minutes. Yeah, oh, oh, I just got your response. Oh, sorry, I was in the bathroom. Uh, sorry I'm running so late, you yeah. know. That was fine with me. It's, it's even funny that it was even brought up. <laughs> hey, well, here's the thing. I mean, to me, what that means is when, whenever you have a movie and people, like, that's the stuff that people focused on, you've missed the mark elsewhere, mm-hmm. you know, um, because they should be talking about the other stuff. So to that point, let's let's talk about production, right? We We mentioned that. Overall, we love the cinematography. Uh, I, I mentioned the music and things like that. Um, so let, let, let's start with production. Um, Barry Peterson was the cinematographer. Um, done a bunch of stuff. Uh, done a bunch of movies that I in particular like, whether it's uh, Zoolander. Um, I didn't mind Jumper. Um, and then, of course, 21 and 22 Jump Street. Couldn't be better. <laughs> so, um, you know, and... All those for the mo- obvious, uh, mo- mostly comedies, and so it was great to sort of see. I don't know. I guess perhaps something different from him. And I thought he, ca- as you said, Marissa, captured it fantastically. Oh uh, yeah, there were so many beautiful shots, I mean, and like the, that the the ways that they showed Malibu and New New Mexico when they were filming. There were a lot of cool cinematographies. You can definitely tell it was like high production value. And the interesting thing is, is that Barry Peterson actually worked with the director. Peter um, on sure. a commercial years ago and back then when they were filming the commercial Peter was like hey I would love to do a film with you um, you know sometime and then four years later he called him up out of the blue and be like hey we're yeah. doing a film together pretty much and that's how those two got onto this film but yeah the interesting thing is that because of the, the space and they're, they're in Mars, and there's space, and there's the, the zero gravity. Sure. Um, they had to storyboard, like, every single shot because it had to be, like, precise, of course, yep. which I found interesting. Yeah, and I, I find it interesting. So they did, most of, they did most of all of the filming within Albuquerque and such. Principal photography commenced uh, September 16th, 2016. <clears throat> so Not that long ago. No. All things considered, when you break it down for how long it took for them to work on that script, right? Because I had mentioned earlier that 2014, they brought it to Alan Loeb. Yeah. Uh, and now, you know, we're in 2016, uh, you know, and uh, at Spaceport America. And that's the first purpose-built commercial spaceport in the world located in the high desert of the Sierra County, which uh, which is pretty cool. Um 
It marked the first time a movie's been filmed at this LEED Gold Certified State-of-the-Art Launch Complex, uh, which I found very interesting. And again, you, they were going for authenticity, so I bought it. I liked it. Um, it's so only and, a 37-day shoot. Yeah. And it, for this is, again, a high production value kind of film. It looked like it would have taken yeah, much longer. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to um, what we were talking about, uh, um, Peterson, when he was talking about, you know, this is a guy that's worked in comedy and things, so we don't normally think about cinematography in a comedy, right? No. But in this movie, in a science fiction movie, it could make or break the movie whether it's lighting and whatnot. And I think that he did a really great job because when you got to think about it, you had Mars, Earth, and space. Like, how's this going to look in the spacecraft? Uh, things like that. And I really got a great visual sense. Like, to me, a rocket launch, if you can make it look unique, different, and real, because I hate to say it, but... You can look up rocket launches, you know, you sort of become accustomed to what they may look like. But if you can make a ship flying across the blue sky and make it look amazing, he did that in this movie. So I felt he did a really, really good job. And he actually watched hours and hours of footage of astronauts in outer space to try to get that really down. So he did a good job. I thought it was great. Yeah, because even though it's on screen for quite a short time, you still have to, the zero gravity has to work and so forth, sure. um, which I know is a challenge. So um, they, they did nail it overall for that. Yeah, and they wanted to go big, too. Like, I mean, it filled up. Like, I, I didn't see it in any premium large format. It's not a regular theater, but it filled up the screen quite nicely. Yeah. I love the I love the color palette of, mm. the, of this film. It was always bright and sunny, even out in space when they were on Mars. It was always bright and the bright walls and um, you know it, where their living quarters were. So not once was this movie ever dark, mm -hmm. and you know it really did feel like a teenage romance film. Right. Just the look of it, it was always bright. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I agree, and I, I'll even go as far as I appreciate the effort. They, on Earth, since we're following Gardner, and he's our windows to the world, so to speak, you know, they made they they oversaturated colors to have it come out yeah. uh, because we are looking through his eyes, so it should try to look as if we're looking at our own planet with with new eyes. Um, so I, I at least appreciate the scope in which uh, the cinematography went to, to, to accomplish that. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> it, uh, again, that's, that's one of the highest strengths of it. And uh, just watching them on camera, the, the, the guy and the girl, that's it. Mm -hmm. That was your strength. Mm -hmm. <laughs> just stick to that. Yeah. Um, as I said, the, the music to me is another strength. Um, you know, when, whenever you have a YA movie... You know, I think that sort of becomes a trope. You know, you have to have... Because mm -hmm. music, music has emotion associated with it. And so you got to sort of play into it in the right ways. If you don't, right. it can hurt the movie. And, and I, thought, I thought they did. You know, I really enjoyed it. Can I ask you something? Did you buy her song? Her song. I, I didn't buy her song. Here's the thing. I didn't buy her as a piano player. Yeah. I don't think just... Or a singer. 
Not because I just felt, again, it was just another thing to add in there. Right. Like, okay, yeah, take the slogan. <laughs> take the slogan of, of, of their mission. Just add water. Right. That's all this movie needed. Just add water. You got the guy and the girl. He's from space. She's from Earth. And just add water. You added cocoa beans, God knows what, and all this other stuff. Some creamer. So, you know, it's not that, like, it was unbelievable. It was just, why? Yeah, that's exactly my question. Because I'm like, what... I, I feel like at the beginning of the movie, they kind of pegged her as maybe a bit tomboy, and she doesn't really... Or we can believe that she's not really connected to people or has a boyfriend or any interest in a romance. And then the, maybe peeling back the layers that she... Oh, underneath it all, she's actually soft. She has a romantic side. She she has a sensitive side because she does music and she can sing that she doesn't allow anyone else to see. But I think that was the only thing to maybe add to her character. And well, that uh, he's allowing her to be they, sensitive. They had that scene where she was in school playing the piano, and then those bully boys. I don't even understand it. why. Yeah, I, but again, I think that's the wasn't... thing because, like, they pegged her as, or like, they tried to establish her as yeah. a tomboy because yeah. she's riding a motorcycle and all these things, and then that's that's a side of her that she doesn't allow other people to see. Yeah, and and I agree with you, Phil. That it, that that seems. In this movie, it seems shoehorned in. Because, again, I'll go back to Tomorrowland, where she was a similar character, but the character was allowed to breathe and show her smarts. She actually relied on her smarts, whether she was sabotaging NASA in Florida to try to save her dad's job or whatever. She had smarts. She knew her way around theory and, 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 and computers, and she loved that. That, to me, is one of the reasons why I really love that movie, because it was a strong female character. Um, and in this movie, it was almost like, here we are in the middle of a Costco, and they were trying to do like this career opportunities kind of thing. Where yeah. She's riding the carriage and whatever, and I'm like, well, what, what next? Are they going to get locked in? For a night, why don't we just do that in this movie too? Here's why, <laughs> and then they go camping. I also will say this: it's a it, it's a weird switch, um, in the sense that if you're going to have this in there, the natural progression would be, and this is sort of my joke, and hopefully it lands, because Peter directed the Hannah Montana movie, she should be singing at the end on a Hannah Montana type of stage. As now a professional musician, not becoming an astronaut and going off to space. Her <laughs> passions led to nothing. True. Mm, yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. Right? Although, I mean, am I that far off? Be, she could be the first performer in Mars. <laughs> and a lounge act. I don't know. Is that the but prologue? I know, what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. But nothing came out of it, so no. why even have it? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, because then in that regard, you make the natural inclination. And it, and by the way, it, it solves an earlier, in a weird way, kind of thing of, like, she was always interested in space. Right? And so I don't need the direct connection of, like, that she knew that, that, that he was in space. But just by that, maybe the fact that she was searching for space things and information, he's like, oh... Wow, what a beautiful girl that's interested in space. I'm in space, but I can't tell her I'm in space, so, but I want to make a connection. Again, they, Do that! that would have been good science fiction. It really would have. And it... it, it I get it angry, Marissa. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's fine. But, missed but opportunity. Can, no, but it, it was a missed opportunity, and it makes... It would have turned... Um, uh, um, 
Carlo Gugino's character and offering to be to adopt her, more or less, right? Yeah. It would have it would have taken away the schmaltz of this scene, and it would have made perfect sense because now, outside of having Gardner uh, as a goal to get to, now she has a woman in her life who truly can inspire her about space and teach her things about things that she was passionate of. Like if she had a star map in her room or, or some um, a mobile of the planets, something to tether us other than just he's a, he's a boy, I'm a girl, I'm attracted to him, oh, I fell in love. You're right, Phil. And, and Marissa, I think you agree. Like mm-hmm. It's a missed opportunity that, that really could have made the movie... Like... Pairing her, pairing her with Carlo Gugino, albeit I like this, yeah. but it it serves for schmaltz. It doesn't serve for the purpose of this is a woman that I can be inspired by, other than my drunken dad. Here's an open yeah. letter to any filmmaker: I'll, If you so desire, let the anatomy of a movie crew dissect your movie <laughs> before you make it, and hopefully we can save certain movies. Yeah. I'm not okay. saying I'm the best, or that we're the best, <laughs> but allow, allow us to try. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Especially, and that's what makes me angry about, that's what really made me angry because of the potential. You know, the potential. And they, and they you know, they each, they tried, you know, they really tried. Um, you know, what was really funny, too, is, okay, so his robot friend at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, three weeks they had to build uh, this robot, um, you know, which which wasn't too far from Johnny Five <laughs> in short circuit. But, um, yeah, he was four and a half foot tall. He was called a Robonaut. And, um, yeah, due to the shortened pre-production schedule, uh, they had only three weeks to try to, like, conceive, build, and figure out how this thing was going to work. And, you know, he was okay. I wish he was in the movie more. <laughs> <laughs> Again, well, but that's the thing. Like know. his character really didn't serve anything other than a friend, a faux friend to to Gardner. And right. again, I thought he was more treated like a droid that you would find in Star Wars. That yeah, they're helpful at some points, but for the most part, they're there for laughs. Yeah. Like you can kick yeah. them and you know yeah. joke about them and stuff. It was all for laughs. Yeah. So. Um, but you know another cool thing too that that that, that finding out like second unit like filming um, the Martian surface you know again Mars has become sort of kind of hot property especially after the Martian so that that uh, the Martian surface and terrain filmed at a deep rock quarry at cement and concrete company GCC Rio Grande's facility in Tijeras I hope I pronounced that correctly uh, New Mexico uh, and that's where Gardner takes the the rover out. Um, stuff like that. It looked awesome, you know. And again, I had no no issues with the way that various things looked. Um, and you're right, 39 day shoot. Uh, they completed in November 11th. Um, and again, they went to Las Vegas, right? <laughs> she wanted to show Gardner the world, and she took him to Vegas. And I really appreciated the fact that. Gardner was like, this isn't the world. No. <laughs> He's like, come on. <laughs> like, this is the world? He goes, wow, it looks cheap. <laughs> so That was a good moment. It, it was a good yeah. moment. It, it really was uh, a good moment. Um, 
So I, I, I like that. I mean, Jesus, at that point, why don't you just take him to Epcot? <laughs> yeah. You'll find more at Epcot. You'll find more, and it probably With looks better, better and tastes better. <laughs> well, I don't know. You could throw a rock in Vegas and find a really good restaurant. <laughs> Restaurants I can't complain about, but to show Paris, New York, and I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> that was a misstep on her part. Well, I, but it also, it, what I appreciate, it showed her sort of a worldview. Right. Right. That's the way she saw the world is that it's not all like you think it's all glamorous, but to me it's not. Right. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, why don't we tell it's got a very mixed reception. I've never sort of seen a pattern of this nature before. <laughs> Allow me to explain. 17 on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it went down. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it was at an 18 as of two days ago. An A minus on Cinema Score. Wow. So very different. Way too high. But yet only um, about let's round up five million in total domestic so far. So on a thirty million dollar budget. So very like kind of all over the board in terms of indicators. It is. I and and it's bizarre. Um, it really literally got. It seemed to have just gotten lost in the muck and the mire um, between, I'm trying to think what else we had. Uh, rings. Rings. Uh, Split is still doing, obviously, still doing very good business out in the marketplace. I think and, it's also timing because we have all the Academy Award movies out right now. I think this film would have done better in the fall. It could have I don't been, think it, it would have. I don't think so. I mean, this movie... When you're releasing, oh, add to that, it was released during Super Bowl weekend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, tough weekend to 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 compete in. Like this isn't this isn't like a um, well number one it's it's not a young adult it's not a young adult story that's based on any novel. It's just a fourth screenplay young adult story. So it's not a Hunger Games. It doesn't have a built-in audience. So. That that could be an issue. You release it on a Super Bowl Sunday, and I believe the thought is, well, millennials, kids, teenagers, they're not watching the Super Bowl. They're not going to watch the big game. Maybe they'll want to go see this movie. Um, but it, it's sort of a dump. It's it's tough in this marketplace. And Marissa, you do bring up a good point. You know, when you have a lot of when you have the La La Lands of the world out there that are continuing to build momentum because of the awards and the buzz that they're getting. I know that La La Land is is reaching out to a female audience uh, as well. And I, I don't know. I can tell you, the audience that I saw with, however sparse it was, there were teenage girls and they were they were buying into it. They're, they're, they were buying hook, line, and sinker. Uh, in this movie, and I just say, well, maybe if you continue to watch movies, you'll start. Maybe you will watch that Vin Vendors movie <laughs> about, you know, uh, Wings of an Angel. Wait, what's it called? Uh, it that they, um, uh, I forget yeah. right now, but um, Angel is in the title. And maybe you'll watch that. Vin Vendors? Huh? Which movie? The, the one the, he the watched. Movie the movie that he's the watching German. with the angel uh, falling the yeah, on the planet. Movie. Yeah. So forgive me, jeez, I'm just having a brain fart. But in any case, hopefully, you know. And the other thing that that this movie was sort of kind of reminding me of 
were the old 70s type of Disney movies, live action movies, except mm-hmm. even they had more depth <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and humor and, and something to say. Um, but this could have been that movie. Um, but you're right. An 18% or a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes, that ain't good. But an A minus, at least you can almost hang a hat on saying, well, I'm going to get good word of mouth. But when you're so far in the hole with only, let's round up and be kind, it's $4.8 million, let's say $5 million. Um, it hasn't been released uh, overseas yet. That's a big hole to try to, you know, that's the kind of thing where STX, who who is a company that, that I respect because they're they're relatively new to the game of the studio distribution, and I love the fact that they're coming on board uh, to try to instead of thinking of this business as getting smaller, adding a new distributor into the marketplace that can play it smart. I mean, they've already had some hits, Bad Moms, uh, The Gift. We've talked about some of the movies right here. You know, I want to see them succeed in this marketplace. It doesn't help when you have a $30 million budgeted movie um, do not even $3 million, $4 million opening weekend. It's a tough hole to get out of, considering your hard drives and advertising costs as well. Um, so it's, it's sort of a, it's a bummer. I don't see them doing... I, I don't see this A-minus garnering the word of mouth that would have a steady hold for a second weekend, particularly knowing what is coming out this weekend, which is, you know, Listen, so. I yeah. think teenage girls will be going to see Fifty Shades Grayer, <clears throat> and then good Darker. luck with Lego Movie, whatever the hell it is. <laughs> yeah. And between <laughs> Batman Lego Movie and... Yeah. Um, it's going to be tough. And uh, John Wick, too. Yeah, and Split's still out there. Split's been, you know, obviously when Split makes over $100 million, it sort of makes me question what we thought of the movie, but I'm like, well, but obviously that's it. And Split has now officially announced they're getting a sequel. Oh, yeah, but but it crosses over. You don't Mm -hmm. make $100 million, like, with just one faction of an audience. You're getting women in there, too. Um, You know, and you could be getting teenage girls. It was PJ-13. So there's so much out in the marketplace that this movie, unfortunately, when you start off so low, that's, you know, the Patriots have a better chance of getting out of that hole. <laughs> and they did. But you can't get out of this hole. <laughs> so let's so. see how they do. <laughs> let's see. All right. Uh, with that said, any, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Marissa, let's um, start with you. Not the best Obviously, but they're, if you're looking for great cinematography, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think it appeals more to the younger audience than us. So. Yeah, it's I definitely. So. I, well, I, well, like I said, I, was it crowded at all when you went and saw it? I was like, there three was a people. few people. Were they teenage? Were they young girls? I mean, and then one was a guy. Yeah, okay. it was interesting. Well, and there were two women, not teenagers. I, I got it. I, I was the guy. <laughs> I was the I, guy. <laughs> I was the other guy. Yeah. So they liked it. It's... I looked like Marissa had dragged me to this movie because we saw it together. Yeah, we did. <laughs> At least we suffered together. Well, the thing is, it's like if you're an avid, avid sci-fi fan, you're not going to like this film. But if you are an avid romantic 
film person, I, you might act. If your romance is at the level of a 12, 13, 14, 15 year Young old. Young adult, yes. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, I think the biggest misstep of this movie is that it really did underestimate its audience. But it, the girls didn't seem to care. They actually were laughing. They actually were, were cooing. Like when they kissed. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they ate it up. Like I said. You have plenty of time to watch really good romantic movies, uh, you know, yeah. as you get older. Um, <laughs> so until then, you have to watch then, bad ones. All well, right. until then, what this is what you to get. Leave on. <laughs> this is what you. Get. All right. Well, that's <laughs> so. There you go. Yeah. I just, I, I, I just hate the notion that uh, young adult has to be crappy. I'm with you. Yeah. Anyway. It doesn't have to be. Um, because it's a genre that I actually do respect quite a lot. I do, and uh, and so I, I, you know, the same way people think, oh, horror is this. I'm like, no, horror is good. It can be like when I was watching this, I'm like, and you think young adult. I'm like, whatever happened to the S.E. Hintons of the world? What happened to the Outsiders? What yeah. happened to like those are really good young adults? We need John Hughes back, <laughs> right. but unfortunately, right. rest in peace. Yeah. Well, Edge of Seventeen. Although Edge that movie was, was great. although that movie was rated R, the best young adult movie I have seen. In years, that, that is true. There's no reason why you can't make a good science fiction young adult movie. Same things. Well, luckily, thanks to the music, we're going out on a positive note. <laughs> uh, let us know what you think of this movie, and also what other movies you've seen. Uh, let us know what young adult movies you do like. Uh, maybe rate them. You know that that could be a fun thing. Should do a retrospective uh, one. We like. Uh, we like discussions, so uh, continue the conversation in the comments section. We always appreciate it. Um, as always, we have over 300 movies in our archives, so definitely check out past movies as you're catching up yourself. Um, we've probably discussed it, and as always, there's going to be so much to look forward to. In fact, we're going to be doing Moonlight, um, we've got Batman Lego movie coming out, and John Wick 2. Hopefully, maybe the girls want to get together and do Fifty Shades of whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, lots to look forward to, so keep tuning back in. In the meantime, at DMovie1701, yeah, at Serafini TV, That's right. at The Popcorn Talk, um, and check out our other shows as well. Thank you guys as always. Bye. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.